This episode of the Linux Action Show is brought to you by DigitalOcean and by Ting. Go to last.ting.com and save $25 off your first device or your first month of service. Linux Action Show, episode 351. My name is Chris. And my name is Noah. Hey, Noah. Good morning to you. Good morning, Chris. Hey, Noah. I'm glad you're here in studio. Guess what? It's great to be back in studio. We got a big show today. We do. Are you ready for me to tell folks about the big show? I want to hear about the big show. All right. Well, coming up on this week's episode of the Linux Action Show, the co-founders of a project called Selks will be joining us. Now, Selks takes some of the most interesting and compelling open source intrusion detection and intrusion prevention software and reporting and logging available for Linux and combines it all into one easy-to-use ISO. If I'm blowing your mind, stand by because this is some of the coolest technology in Linux you can get your hands on in a super easy-to-use package. So Peter and Eric will join us in just a little bit to talk about that. In the news segment, the FSF has come out with their idea of what makes a usable laptop. LibreOffice for Android is real. Y'all attack tablet news, and even a lunchbox project. And then in the feedback segment, we've got some scale information we want to share with you. But Noah, as is tradition on the Linux Action Show, first, it is our picks. And uh, our Runs Linux pick this week came in from uh, listener Ionut. All right. Ionut. How do you like that? Uh, and he says, uh, he says, meet Professor Brad Nelson. He's a pioneer in the, f- in the field of nanorobotics. He's developing tiny incidency robots that can go in places beyond our imagination, and he runs Linux. Huh. So uh, this will probably get us pulled off YouTube, but I'll play a little bit of it so you can get an idea and keep a sharp eye, Noah, see if you can spot the Linux. Are you ready? I'm ready. Here we go. We're making micro and nano robots that are guided by externally generated magnetic fields for use in the human body. Brad Nelson is a mechanical engineer that likes to think small, very small. Tiny small. He's a pioneer in a field that's only existed for the last decade or so, nanorobotics. To give you an idea how small these are, if I had a teaspoon, I could fit about three billion of them in a teaspoon. So. Three billion. It's kind of unimaginable. It is kind of unimaginable, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the first challenges were how to make these things move. The inspiration comes from nature, the E. coli bacterium in particular, which is propelled along by a rotating tail, or so-called flagellum. Now, we can't make that motor. We don't have the technology for that. But what we brought in were, were some lessons we'd learned about magnetic fields and using magnetism to move, move these things. So now, we, how do we they structure this? How do they study this? Uh, and we magnetize them. How do they manipulate these magnetic fields? rotating field, Windows. a special type of magnetic field we generate, which allows them to swim. Having cracked propulsion. Look at that cool Nelson interface. Look at that. Finding oh, I see Unity. There's moved, Unity. How they danced. That's interesting that that thing works with Unity. on a nano scale. Oh, yeah. The nanobots are all so they programmed the magnetic, uh, the, basically the magnetic guidance systems under their Linux rigs. And uh, they, uh, they have full control using that little joystick controller knobby thing. Yeah, I think it's actually a production tool. I've yeah. seen those before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting, and I might be confusing two technologies, so if I am, please forgive my ignorance, but um, I think Google is actually working on with those nano mm. uh, technology to cure cancer. And so what it would do is they inject you with these uh, nano robots, and then they program the robots to go kill the cancer cells. Yeah, there's all kinds of crazy things you can yeah. do with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, technology so is crazy cool. We have a link to the video if you're listening to the audio version. It's worth just seeing it so you can see the size of the things. They barely fit on the, the, the tip of that guy's finger, and that's mm-hmm. one of the big ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, know, you know what else is big? 
What's Real big, big, Chris? DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean sponsored the Linux Action Show and a great way for you to spin up your own cloud server. You can go big or small, and it starts at $5 a month. And we use our promo code LASTDIGITAL, LASTDIGITAL, L-A-S, digital, one word, lowercase, to get a $10 credit. DigitalOcean.com. Go over there and check it out right now. DigitalOcean is a simple cloud hosting provider dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way for you to spin up your own server. I use it now as my backend infrastructure. When I need something that runs on Linux, I've got Scale Engine for all kinds of great things for our streaming, for our video content distribution. So many great things run on Scale Engine. And when I need to spin something up on a Linux box, maybe it's own cloud, maybe it's BitTorrentSync, maybe it's Ruby on Rails, maybe it's something else. I go to DigitalOcean. There's so many great things. Now you can use it for your backend infrastructure, your primary infrastructure. I talked to Wimpy on Linux Unplugged. He's got entire desktops running up on DigitalOcean. There's so many things you can do. And if you use our promo code LASTDIGITAL to get the $10 credit, you can try out the $5 rig, two months, absolutely free. It's $5 a month for 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20 gigabyte SSD, one CPU, and a terabyte of transfer. And you can get started in less than a minute. You know, Chris, it used to be one of those things where I would go into a client's place and they would they would need a new server. And, uh, you know, it takes a little bit to get a server. They don't, they don't sell them at Best Buy, right? <laughs> so if they need a server right away, what I used to have to do is we used to have what we called the rental unit. And the rental unit was a server that we maintain. We come throw an OS, we throw Linux on it, and oh, yeah. get their software running, we put it up. And then the problem was, then their server would come in, we'd have to clone the drive or pull yeah, yeah. the data off or all that other stuff. Mess. Now, I log into DigitalOcean, yep. I say, I tell you what, I'm going to absorb that cost for you. I'm going to absorb because... You know what it costs? Five dollars a month. Five dollars a month. <laughs> Does that and matter? And if you use Last Digital, you get two months for so free. So I tell them, I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell a client, I'll say, hey, you know what? I, I'm going to get you a new server, and uh, we're going to have it set up. And they ask, how long is that going to take? How many hours is that going to take? Well, it takes me about thirty-five seconds. Yeah, what? yeah. I just happen to have it ready to go yeah. for you. Yeah. What do you mean you have it ready to go? Yeah. This guy's on the ball. Yeah, he's on the ball. He has a <laughs> server no ready to go. Yeah, yeah, he has it ready to go for us. And I log into my digital ocean, or my uh, digital ocean control panel. I spin up the server. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I've got eight of them on there right now. That's on this account. I actually yeah. have another account. Yeah. I found out there's a limit of twenty-five, and that's kind of disappointing. So you got to have. I don't know what I'm going to do when I hit the twenty-five. You like you have an account for one client and account for another client. You know what's actually you know what you could do too is you can actually move those so you can send those to other accounts oh, can you? so you can it's actually there is a way to kind of go in and clean you know that why up. i have you know why i separated from accounts huh. because i oh it didn't happen yeah but i almost deleted one of my clients uh oh, i went yeah. to destroy the droplet yeah. and i and it started with the same letter and i clicked yes. on it and i went mm, don't do that yeah. so now they're separated and you can always keep snapshots of that's one of the nice mm -hmm. things about the digital ocean dashboard is it's super is super super straightforward it's really easy to use so you can get snapshots and backups you can do dns management mm -hmm. and they have an api where you can replicate the functionality of their dashboard on a larger scale or take advantage of some of the apps the community has written mm -hmm. go to digitalocean.com Use the promo code LASTDIGITAL. Try it out for two months, absolutely free. Also, once you get the droplet spun up, this is one of the other great things about it, is not only is it super quick to get the droplet going, but then they have a crazy ton amount of great tutorials for you to actually put that thing to use. Everything from Minecraft servers to own cloud to email servers to, I mean, you name it. They now, what, it. If you what if you wanted to make a tutorial? Well, you can get paid to make a tutorial. Actually, paid. They are. Uh, they are. Uh, they have editors, and they've just hired another editor. And they have. They actually pay community members up to two hundred dollars for writing a tutorial for DigitalOcean. That's crazy. I know it. I know it. DigitalOcean.com, and use that promo code LastDigital when you check out. Thanks to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Linux Action Show. You guys rock. Now, Noah, we like to do a, an open source a desktop app pick. And this one's for the folks that maybe uh, want to do a virtual machine, want to try something different than your virtual box, your QMU, or your mm -hmm. VMware workstation. Maybe they want to build on top of the virtualization that's built into their Linux kernel, like KVM. Right. You've got a GUI that you like to manage your virtual machines. Well, let me start with this. I The, the older I get, 
the more I realize <laughs> that my, my limit <laughs> that my limitation is rarely the technology and usually my misunderstanding of the technology. How many times this weekend alone have I said, that's not capable of that, or I couldn't get that to work. And then as it turns out, no, no, it's just being dumb and didn't get it to work right. So with that in mind, I'm gonna, I, I wanna talk a little bit about my experience with, and really my complaint is more with LibvertD than it is with uh, the Vert Manager, but uh, the, you know, one ties to the other. So it's uh, vert manager at vert dash manager. Yeah, vert dash manager. It's, and it's a graphical front end. You can do everything with the verse commands in CentOS, which is how we did it when we did a lot of the, um, red hat training. Yeah. Um, but the GUI just makes it amazing. And it, yeah. it, it, it is essentially your version. If let's say you're a person that wanted a bunch of virtual servers and yeah. you had a bunch of servers laying around or a bunch of computers laying around, what you didn't have was $5 a month to spend on DigitalOcean. I don't know how that'd be, but let's say you didn't. You could yeah. set up your own DigitalOcean. Or, yeah, I mean, like, there's all kinds of ranges. I mean, this mm -hmm. is... this is Oh, uh, it's enterprise class for sure. It's KVM. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you have the KVM virtualizer here. That's legit. Mm -hmm. And it's great for, like, uh, you have it on a laptop. Uh, I, I, I could see it used for distro testing, local distro testing, local desk, test you environments. Know, I don't think I would ever run it for, like... My my own own cloud instance. I unless I even, put it on some some serious hardware for just my for using desktop stuff. Vert Manager to me is like it's kind of like it's a VirtualBox UI on top of the KVM virtualizer. Yeah, I'm it's not as good uh, as VirtualBox. I'm just going to disagree with you. Go there. ahead. And, here, and here's why: um, it's intended to be a server backend. And so, for for example, one thing you don't get is you're not going to get desktop uh, additions stuff like that. Right. So you're not going to be able to do things like have it full screen. And, right. And, and so like those no things 3D. are gonna, they're really going to hinder your experience, right? Because okay. It's essentially a VNC session yeah. that's scraping yep. the inside. Well, KVM so, is not really meant for test. Right. It's, I mean, so, I'm, I see. The, I would not use it for testing distros. Is I guess what oh, I'm really? getting at. No. Because mm -hmm. here's where I want it. Here's what I'm looking for. Is I'm looking at something that's kind of that's kind of competitive with like boxes. And the thing about boxes is, mm -hmm. is it's just a really simple UI to sit on top of a virtualizer yeah. on my system. And I have used that for distro testing. And, and so and so there's a number of problems. One is like I said, it's not really geared for it. And two, it's not really simple. I, I mean, it, it, to some degree it is, but once you figure it out, it is, but getting it set up can wow, be a real Wow, you're selling this to me. Yeah, you're well, selling it. Well, <laughs> well, here, let me sell it to you. Yeah. Um, so, so this is I'll your laptop. You, yeah, so this is my laptop, and I'll show you a couple of the ways that we use it. So one thing, this is my personal virtual host, and so you can see my wife has a server called sarah.kernelinux.com, and that's, she's, she wants to learn about server administration, so that's, she spins it up, plays with yeah. it a little, and then kills it, so it's not a security and risk. I, I like that uh, right there in the virtual machine listing, you get uh, the CPU usage, the disk I.O. and the network I.O. Yep. and bar graphs. That's It's nice. Right, yeah. I, and and so so this it tells me the host I'm on, and then I see my guests here. I can turn these on or spin or turn them off, and much like DigitalOcean, I, I can get council access. If I just double-click on it, it will give me council access to the machine. And so I see the machine posting. I see um, as if I was sitting at that machine yeah. like I was sitting at the BIOS. Right. Um, so the nice thing about this is... So that's console-level access. This is console-level access. So it's and kind I, of pokey, but... Well, it's, not so it's, bad, it's a little actually. slow, but it's for what so I'm bad. doing, it's not so bad, right? Yeah. Um, now, here's where it gets really cool. Let's say I'm right in the middle of something. And so before you keep going, this uh, CentOS box that you're on the console of, this isn't actually running locally on your laptop. No. So that's something to point out is Vert Manager can manage KVM virtual machines on a machine that's far away. Like in your case, this is a remote system you're looking at the console of right now. Right. Through Vert Manager on your local laptop. So let's say I was in the process. And then you're right. This The host is sitting at my house. Well, let's say I was I was in the middle and all of a sudden you say, hey, no, we got to do the Linux action show. I go yeah. up here and I, sh I shut this down. Yeah. And I close out of Virtual Manager because I don't want to use it anymore, right? right? That's and still so now, running remotely though. Right. So if I open Virtual Manager back up or maybe even I go to a different machine, 
Oh, you had another window open there. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was, that was, <clears> hey, that hey, was you know, over there you had another virtual manager window open. You got to close first. Close that window first, and then and then relaunch it. There you go. Yeah, there you go. We're using, by the way, a kind of a cool uh, software capture to get Noah's laptop screen here. It's cool because so, we used Wine to make. So it now work. that I've connected, now that I've connected back in here, now I can open my. Uh, now I can open this box right back up. Yeah, and it's and right I, where you left. And it. I'm right where I left off. Now here's the other nice thing that I started doing is when clients come to me and say we need a Windows server, I will not work on a Windows Metal server anymore. <laughs> it's such a pain. And here's why: Windows crashes. Okay. Or the hardware dies, and I need to move Windows now over to another machine. I can't with Linux. I pull the hard drive out, I stick it in a new box, I reset the MAC address on the on the on the ETH zero script, and it's good to go. Yeah. Windows, I put it in there, blue screens. Right? Oh, so here's what I've started doing. I've started selling. I've started installing uh, the um, the Linux as the host operating system, and sure. just putting their uh, their get their their server. On so yeah, top of here it. you get a Windows box, but well, it's running so here, under. So here's VM. what's great about that. I call into support for a client one day. And I said, uh, I said, hi, I, I, I need some support with this server. And they said, all right, we need you to be actually on site. And I said, oh, okay. I really wasn't, you know, paying attention to that because I don't need to be on site because actually I can do more from my office with my vert manager than I can actually on site because right. it's just a council. It doesn't do yeah, any good. Yeah. So I said, uh, consider me on site. And they said, well, no, 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 you can't use a remote utility because we actually, we're going to use TeamViewer to get in there. So you'll have to actually be at the council. And I'm like, yeah, double click. Uh, we'll wait for that to come up. Yeah, I'm on I'm site now. I'm on site. Well, yeah. how far away is your office? Oh, about 19 miles. Well, uh, how'd you get there so fast? Just don't worry about it. Just yeah. I'm ready to go. Yeah. You're actually at the council. I'm actually at the council. Yeah. <laughs> so and I pulled up and I'll show you. So this is a, this is for this is for a client. Oh yeah. That's, so that's this is a client's XP machine. Yeah, and I don't. It's have, their QuickBooks machine. Yeah, you and sure I it's don't, okay? And, and, yeah. Well, I'm not going to log into it. In fact, I don't even have the password to do so. But they. Uh, See, so you know, but this is XP now. You don't have to have to just running on bare metal. It's not running in bare right, metal, right? Exactly. And the great thing about it's it running is under KVM. And the it's running under KVM. And the yeah. great thing about it is, and I can't get out of it. The great thing about it is, is um, they don't have to be at one computer. Every computer I install Vert Manager on, they can get to it. Actually, right. really, what they're doing is uh, they're they're actually they're using RDP to get into it. But the reality is. Um, uh, is that I don't have to work with Windows. They can deal with all their Windows stuff. And yeah. when it crashes, I click on the snapshots, yeah. I roll it back, yep. and I put their QuickBooks data back on it, and it's right. good to go. Well, and and today, you know, today's kind of a security focused episode, mm -hmm. and uh, this is another thing. You know, we're, we're you know, the reality is is that you sometimes wind up in a situation when you're on a network where you have to have a Windows box or you've got a Linux box, you can't keep as up to date as you would like. We've all run into this whenever we've run any kind of production systems. And one of the nice things about uh, Vert Manager is it makes it super easy to take snapshots and roll back. And if you've been compromised, that's also another great way to roll back after the compromise happens. We're going to talk more about that with our guest coming up a little bit, but it's vert-manager. You do have to have some dependencies installed to make it all work, but if you're looking... Uh, here's my request. I'll put this out to the audience. So I was look, if I'm looking for something just to do some basic desktop testing, because mm -hmm. what Noah's talking about here sounds great for a server, I think this is like a slam dunk. Like if any of you out there are using VirtualBox Headless, mm -hmm. this is a way better option probably for you going forward. I just thought of something. Can I make a suggestion to you? Yeah. All right. So here's an idea. <laughs> What is it, Noah? Here's the idea, Chris. You could take a virtual host, okay? And because it supports PCI pass-through, put a separate video card, a separate yeah, sound card, man. a separate Ethernet card for each of your guests, plug that into but, a separate keyboard, mouse, and monitor. I know, and but, dude, how many, how, how, many, how many PCI slots am I going to have to have to make that work, if you think about it? Well... 
So every, uh, but even if you at least have two or three, even if you had a rig that had, yeah, exactly, like two or three. Mm -hmm. Because so what Noah is talking about is KVM supports doing PCI pass through, and there is theoretically people have it working. I haven't gotten it working myself, but I, 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 I think we've gotten close. Is you can do 3D acceleration pass through under a virtual machine through the PCI card, so it could be great for gaming, but also be great for Skype. If you think about it, it's not even it's it's really it's talking right to the metal, right? Like when you put your video card in, you're taught you're installing the Windows driver. Assuming you're using Windows, which why would you do that? You would install the Windows driver on the NVIDIA driver on that thing. But what you could do, Chris, is you could have, you'd only need two because you need one for your host so you can control it. And then you'd have one video card, one sound card that's for your designated guest. And that guest can just reboot into different operating systems. Let's build it. Yeah, let's, let's do it. it. See All what right. happens. So uh, my question to the audience is: Before we move on, and then we'll get, we'll stop talking about this. Uh, and Imacon has the same question in our chat room: Where, uh, in your estimation, dear audience, uh, does boxes fit in with Vert Manager? And if I'm doing desktop testing of like dis- different distros and just trying things out, maybe the occasional Windows VM once a year, uh, which would you use, Vert Manager or Boxes? Seems like Vert Manager is a slam dunk for server deployments. But what about desktops? Let us know. Go over to LinuxActionShow.reddit.com. Look for the feedback thread for 351 and uh, give us your thoughts. Hey, Noah, we mentioned it's a security episode. We love to do spotlights from time to time. We've mentioned these guys before. It's been way too long. We've never spotlighted them. Tails. Tails is a great solution for anybody uh, in your family or friends or extended family, maybe yourself. It has some serious banking they want to do privately, something offline, you know, some private stuff. I'm assuming it's all financial and above board, of course. But Tails, check it out. It's a live CD, a live operating system that gives you privacy and... Uh, I don't know. You probably heard of it too. I, right? I have, and what really I think what really brought Tails to light, what really made it shine, was Edward Snowden. Oh yeah, right, because that's what he used, and it's it is what. <laughs> There is no better advertisement for your Linux distro. If you're trying to go for, we are we are secure and we are private, <laughs> then, when the U.S. government cannot defeat those security measures. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, and if he was able to successfully elude the government by using Tails, that tells you something about, they're, they're doing a pretty darn good job, whatever yeah. it is they're doing. And every now and then, Tails has its detractors, but they keep pumping out new ones. Their, mm-hmm. recent, uh, their recent Tails update updates to Tor uh, browser 4.03 based on Firefox 31.4 ESR. Uh, it's got kernel Linux 3. Dot, hey, kernel Linux. It's got kernel Linux uh, 3.16.7. <laughs> uh, they've improved Mac spoofing and failsafe mechanism, fixed some bugs, obviously, uh, some RAM cleanup. Uh, so it's just a, it's a good solid release, and it's a good one to recommend to people. It's one we've mentioned before, but we wanted to spotlight Tails this week. And real quick, because I keep getting asked all the time, previous app picks, desktop, distros, runs Linux, spotlights. Go over to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash lastpicks, L-A-S. We have Rotten Corpse to thank for that. We do, and community members who've been contributing. All right. All right, Noah, let's do the news. Hey, it's the news, and this episode is brought to you by... Ting.com. Noah, Ting is mobile that makes sense. Ting is our mobile service provider. And, of course, Ting should probably be your mobile service provider. Why? Because it's only pay for what you use. No contract, no early termination fee. It's a flat $6 for each line. Marinate on that for a second. $6 for your line. That's what you pay. And then it's just your usage on top of that with no contract. They just take your minutes, your messages, megabytes, whatever you use. That's what you pay. I got like three phones on my line. I'm paying like 30-something bucks this, this month. It's crazy. Go to last.ting.com, las.ting.com to get started. Go find out why Ting is mobile that's different. They got a savings calculator right there in the front of the page. You put your current usage in there and see how much you could save. For me, over the last two years, I've saved over $2,000. And it's great for me because I'm also a small business, which means when I need a new line, it's not a whole bunch of hassle.
hassle. I just go to last.ting.com. I get $25 off my device, and I'm good to go. And if I ever have any anybody that has any troubles, I either have them go to the website because they have a super great website, or I just have them call 1-855-TING-FTW anytime between 8 a.m. or 8 p.m., and a real human being answers the phone. It's great. Here's the thing, Chris. Everyone always wants to concentrate on the on the mobile phones. They want to talk about how many minutes you get. They want to talk about how many texts you, you use and the data. What they look over is that Ting has a great selection. Maybe not right now, but they used to have what? a great selection. You can bring your own device oh, yeah. of mobile de- of mobile data devices. Oh, I think they and still let me tell you, too. Yeah. I don't think you can buy them off their site. But, oh, okay. but here's 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 where that really, really saved the day just not that long ago. Yeah. I you know, I do I do some volunteer work for a radio station which runs Linux. And uh, recently they lost the internet, which meant the radio station uh-huh. was off the air. Because if you remember, they pull their feed, the the actual FM stream from the uh, from the internet, right? So it's a big deal. So they said we need to have some internet up in this joint, and up we in need this it business. right now. Well, where else can I get internet right now? So I grabbed a hotspot, activated yep. it on Ting, went over there, and did it cost a little bit of money? Yeah, it cost a little bit of money to get that. You know, when you're streaming for you know a day, but. They had internet right there. Yeah. I didn't have to sign a contract. Right. I didn't have to sit and, right. and and wait for the guy to activate the device. I right. just went into my my dashboard yep. and clicked on my hotspot. I clicked on a data yeah. plan, and I it was done. It was yeah, it is super nice to just mm-hmm. have data on demand when you need it. It's $6 for the line, uh, and you can even disable the line when you're not using it. And they just pay for your usage. They've, speaking of devices, too, uh, they've got the uh, Sharp Aquios Crystal now, which I've heard some really amazing things about this device. If you go to last.ting.com, $278. If you get, you get the Linux Action Show discount for an Android device, you own out right that just looks gorgeous five inch screen oh boy full-on lte goodness yeah i think that looks like a great phone might have to get that phone i think you might uh also nexus 5 just got to give a plugsy because it's there you know ting's gonna go gsm and this does cdma and gsm this would be a great ting phone i gotta i just i gotta say yeah what do you think of that so honestly what do you think of the uh, of the of the nexus 5 compared to the htc1 because you have the nexus 5 i have mm-hmm. the htc1 mm-hmm. but I see you kind of like eyeing my neck. My, well, I like I like definitely prefer the speakers on the HTC One. I like the universal remote on the HTC One, and I like the build quality on the HTC One. But what yeah. I like about the Nexus Five better mm-hmm. is uh, it has uh, a thinner profile. It has wireless yeah. charging. It feels a little bit faster. The mm-hmm. camera's a little bit better, mm-hmm. and of course, it's got all the stock Google goodness. Yeah, which sucks because I have been battling for the last couple of weeks, Chris, trying to get all of my all of the HTC crap. Off yeah. of my phone, and you just yeah. didn't have that problem. You pulled it out of the box, yeah. and it just works. Yeah, so that's what I like about the Nexus. Mm-hmm. So you can get all, a whole range of devices over at Ting. Go to last.ting.com. Go check out some of their cool devices. They even have some big sales on those fruit-based iPhones. What? Let's not talk about that. Yeah, we won't talk about. We won't talk about twenty percent off the iPhone five. <laughs> we won't talk about twenty-five percent off the iPhone five C because we don't need to. Because you could go get the Nexus five. That's instead. right. Or actually, you know what I'm kind of thinking about. Uh, not that I'm going to do this anytime soon, but because I've had the Nexus Five for a little while, mm-hmm. and I think I'm just going to stick with the Nexus Five because it's perfectly fine. Right. But I am seriously tempted. I'm looking at the Moto X Two. On I'm going to get the GSM version, put it on Ting uh, after the end of February. Mm-hmm. That might be my future phone. Yeah. There's a lot of great options. Last.ting.com. Thank you to Ting too. I mean, you guys have been sponsors for a long time, and you just keep getting more awesome. They do. Okay, Noah. So late last night, you gathered up some of the best news stories all over the internet. Do we want to talk about why? Or no? Yeah, we can. We we could we could reveal the curtain a little bit. So we decided, I guess, full disclosure, we decided to pre-record this week's episode of the Linux Action Show, so that way we have one extra week to take care of some cool technical stuff that we want to pull off to do some remote Linux broadcasting. And uh, we thought we'd use this extra week while Noah. We'd have one extra episode while Noah's in studio. And why don't we take the security-focused episode of the Linux Action Show and talk about how we're going to improve the perimeter security right here at Jupiter Broadcasting by implementing one of Noah's
Joe's favorite go-to devices. Noah? So part of the, when I got here to Jupiter Broadcasting, it was funny because as a former sysadmin, I expected a very elaborate network. What I found <laughs> was not a very elaborate network. So our firewall is the Comcast router. It just like the random. Default yeah, the default. Comcast. Yeah. Well, uh, you, you, you were smart enough to at least change like the passwords and stuff. Oh. But but everything else well, is, is just, uh, including the DHCP client. So yeah, we, yeah. He literally, he goes to a server and he goes, I need to find this file of that server. Oh, crap. We restarted it and it got a new IP address. I'm, How did a server get a new IP address? And he goes, well, it dynamically assigns. So it's kind of a pain. I'm like, <laughs> What? Well, you, you dynamically know, assign your your, your, I was, your production. Boxes? I was either planning to put like the ultimate Linux firewall right. in or right. PF well, sandbox, I and I so I was like, well, why why mess with this Comcast well, and, piece and of crap? Here, I'm and, just going to replace it. And you it. gave up system administration, so you can do podcasting. So now you your energy and your enthusiasm and your focus is on podcasting, which is why we have the number one Linux podcast, right? So we shall be thankful to the fact that you're willing to slave through the Comcast modem. <laughs> but it but, is a mess. But it's as embarrassing. A, but as a current system administrator, I wanted to fix the problem. So I said, yeah. Chris, we should go to your house and get that thing that I sent you, and then you lost, and then I gave you another one. It's a, it, so it's a, micro, it's a Microtech 750 How do I spell RB? I should get it right now. M-I-K-R. M-I-K-R-O tick, right? Yep. And you talk about it all the time. I do. And so, and I, I sent him one to try, and he pulled it out of the box and said, Look, it's cool. And then, then he lost it. So then we went to Ohio, and I'm like, Hey, Chris, guess what? Got your new Microtech router. Hey, oh. So, and then he lost that which one. Which one is it? Which, which, which one is it? The 750 R- RB. The 750 right there? RB. Yeah. So it's, a, it's 40 bucks, yeah. right? It's a forty bug. Right. It's a it's an it, it runs Linux. Uh, yeah. it's a great firewall. Good UI. And and so and so I have made a I have made a pack now. We will not use anything at my company that does not that if I can't do it hundred percent from Linux, we're not going to use it because I'm just not going back there and I'm not going to. And if I'm not willing to do it, yeah, I'm not going to make anyone else do it. Yeah. And really, I want every. In fact, if I ha, if I could, I would find things that you couldn't do from Windows. <laughs> yeah. Sure. So so um so it's it's a great router and it and it has literally I ha, I I've gone through all the Cisco stuff. And I, don't get me wrong, I like Cisco. Cisco's a great company, and if you're a Cisco person, we can talk. But you cannot find me something that your Cisco router can do that my $40 RB750 can't. Now, are there bandwidth limits? Like when you get to like a wide load of users, yes. But yeah, it's, got yeah, it's got 100 megabit, or it has no no gigabits. Right. So there's well, one. Well, I think there's a 750. Sure, there, they have other. Yeah, units. right. Yeah. It's like $20 more, but. The they have a rack version then that that is the that's the enterprise version that can handle a couple thousand users. Sure. And they have one up from that. But the nice thing is the interface, the command line structure, and they have a web UI. All of that stays exactly the same. That's they have nice. config files, so you can literally you buy them. You can take your forty dollar router configure a uh, configuration file. You might not have all the interfaces granted. Yeah. But you can take that configuration file, drop it on a ten thousand dollar router, and it works. I don't know if they make a ten thousand dollar router, but if they did, you could drop it on there and it would work. So. I wanted to get this router, which he thought he had somewhere at home, so he's going to try and find it. But so, it got to be later and later and yeah. later. <laughs> Late last night, we're like, okay, so we're going to record two episodes of Last Tomorrow. Let's just get this done, and then we can talk about moving the core infrastructure over this little Linux router box. Mm-hmm. Seems like a pretty good segment idea. Right, and it would have been, except he, <laughs> except he goes, well, I don't know exactly where that box is, and he got more and more tired, and the yeah. tired, the more tired he got, the less enthusiastic he got, and eventually he just said, well, here's what I'm going to do. We'll go to my house, I'll give you the router, and I'm going to go to bed, and you can go, <laughs> you can go set that up. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine, I, I do it all the time. Right? Well, and, and, and I told think about this, I'm like, Noah, you take this firewall back, you go rip apart the Jupiter Broadcasting Network. I trust you to do this yeah. on your yeah, own. I don't have to trust. be there to supervise yeah. this. I trust you. Yeah, there was a lot of trust, and <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah, you must have confidence in my in my skills, right? Yeah, because it and was. To, and to be fair, I didn't let you down because believe me, I tore everything apart, and it was working when you walked in. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. And so, we have three shows to record today, so I had to work. So I so anyway, I get here. I 
if you know much about networking, then you know the first step is I have to get the current router modem combo out of router motor combo and turn it into just a bridge mode. So I'm reading on how to do it, and 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 I get to the point where I, I have DHCP shut off, I have NAT translation shut off, so now the box is totally inaccessible because it doesn't exist on the network anymore. It's supposed to just be this dumb little pass-through thing. Yeah. I plug the router in, nothing happens. I'm like, all right, well, I was smart enough to screen cap the configuration, oh, good, so good, good. I said, well, maybe I have to plug in the static IP. So I plug in all yeah. the IPs, and that doesn't work. Because we've got a business connection here <laughs> right. at the JB1 Which, so, studio. And so any other ISP, normal ISPs, would give you a static IP. Business connection we, we spend multiple not, hundreds of dollars right. a month for. Apparently they don't. So I call Comcast, and I'm like, hi, Comcast. My name's Noah, and I really need some help doing this. And the guy goes, oh, we'd love to help you, sir. The only problem is you're going to have to pay $19 a month. And I'm like, for what? And he goes, for a static IP. And I'm like, I don't really need a static IP. I just What I really need is just to get this stupid thing into bridge mode. And he goes, well, you have to buy a, a modem. Oh. Well, do you sell them? No, we don't sell them. Well, where can I get one? Oh, Best Buy. So, so you're like, saying we're going to Best Buy? Well, we are. Yeah, Heck okay. yeah, we're okay. going to Best okay. Buy. <laughs> so, anyway, so I, so anyway, so I said, all right, well, now, now I have a real problem. I'll pay the $20. And if Chris is unhappy about it tomorrow when he walks in, I'll just reimburse him the $20. And then by then, and then by then, I'll have gotten to Best Buy and I'll have purchased a cable modem and then you won't need the static IP anymore. And then if you want it, you can keep it. Whatever. So he goes, okay, no problem. Just verify the account number for me. Now, mind you, this guy has, I've logged into the modem at this point with this yeah. guy. We've gone through yeah. all this stuff. Like, yeah. I've restarted it. Clearly, at what I'm time? At what time is this at, would you About say? three in the morning. Three in the morning. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, he goes, I'm going to need the account number. I'm like, <laughs> so I'm not very happy at this point. So I'm like, Rakai, where's the account number? And he goes, what account number? And he's like, there's some paper up there. You know, he's a very soft, you know, he's yeah. like, Maybe up there, so I'm like, ah, so I'm ripping through papers off the right. counter. I'm like, where the heck is the Comcast? Yeah, I noticed he like, doesn't have any Comcast the, stuff. The, here. There was like a chair moved over in the kitchen, and there's like yeah. papers. I'm like, oh no, right. it was researching. So then I'm like, well, maybe it's in his office, and I'm digging through your no, office. I can't find it. It's back at the headquarters. Yeah, well, I figured. I figured. Yeah. So anyway, so eventually I'm like, I don't have the account number. So how do we do this? And the guy goes, Well, I can't. I'm like, because now I realize if if I'm gonna have trouble, I've only got a couple hours to get everything back up Go before back. you walk in. Plus, then come up with Plan B right. for the segment. Yeah, then I still have to research the new <laughs> segment at this point because we had assumed that we we're gonna use this. So I go out to the garage, I plug in, I it's I spend whatever amount of time getting everything put back to the way it was, and then I realize that now your now your IPs are all different again. Yeah, yeah. So so I go through and I make sure all the boxes are back online, and then I get back in it, and then I sit down and spend the time researching all the news. So the news might be the bottom of the barrel, and I might be a little I might seem a little drunk doing it because I'm so <laughs> sleep deprived, but we have news. Yes, we do. Let's start with the Free Software Foundation. This is a cool story. And uh, they have a laptop that respects your freedom. They call it the LibreBoot X200. Mm -hmm. Now, you're not going to be surprised to learn that this is a rebranded Lenovo laptop that has been sort of refurbished and uh, cleaned up. It's a Lenovo ThinkPad X200. And uh, I don't know, Noah, when I look at this laptop, I think for me, not so awesome. But know, again, it's a 64-bit laptop. This is the yep. first time we've gotten mm -hmm. one of these. Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to run GNOME 3 just fine. You could run Triskel on this bad mamma jamma. Uh, they say there is a BIOS option. You can go. You can also go with. Uh, you can disable it. So here's my here's my uh, here's my bottom standards. I will not, especially for, and, and I have I, I I can I think I can say that I have a remarkable amount of experience with new users in Linux, and their first experience on Linux has to be yeah. ideal, or they yeah. just won't use it. Right. Right. So my bottom line metrics. I will not touch Unity or GNOME without four gigs of RAM. All right. And if if I have that that was what I find is and the biggest deal. What is about the memory. it? So here's here's four gigs mm -hmm. and 
See, the thing is, though, uh, what about a 4 gigs and 120 gigabyte SSD? Yeah. That's, I, think you that, put, I think you put a 120 yeah. gigabyte SSD. Yeah. And, and I, I think I can defend this reasonably well, even though you're probably going to disagree. No, I I think if I put that in front of you, you wouldn't notice the difference uh, from your bonobo from doing what you're doing now. Opening I, I, web I tend to agree. No, I do tend to agree because okay. I'm looking at this. Look, it's it's it's, it's 408 euros mm-hmm. for this for this free software foundation endorsed laptop. So what does uh, that with, translate? Uh, with a uh, you know 120 gigabyte SSD and four gigabytes of RAM. Now, me personally, no. If we're gonna get if we're gonna really talk about for Chris here, maybe let's go eight gigabytes and 128 yeah. uh, gigabyte SSD. Mm-hmm. But then, then look, you're still only 438 euros. So yeah, that's so what? about 450 bucks. It seems like yeah, 450 bucks. That's that's an insane great deal, actually. Yeah, and, and, you know, and the thing is, for those people that like Zorak who really, really care about their freedom, and I mean, and it's you're talking about Zorak in the chat, right? And he, his his former name was VR Mac, right? Yeah. And so it was always funny because everyone assumed he was a Mac, and in fact, the, he couldn't be further from that. Couldn't be further from the truth. He's a very, very, very upstanding GNU slash Linux. See what I did there? Uh, <laughs> user, right? And uh, and I think that you know. You and I both love our System 76, yeah. our laptops and, our, and yeah. desktops. And, yeah. and clearly, if you have the cash, that's the way to go. The right? price is higher, though. Right. But if you don't, ThinkPads have always been a, like a rock in the Linux community. Yeah. In fact, Jeremy, one of his, one of my favorite quotes from Jeremy is, you can always judge the quality of a Linux conference by how many ThinkPads you see. That's right? true. Yeah. And and so so the fact that the FSF has come out and given a ThinkPad that I would ca- I would carry that ThinkPad with me. I would take it and use it as a daily laptop. I would. Yeah. Well, here's your spec. So 12-inch mm-hmm. screen. Yeah. Uh, twelve eighty by like. screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got gigabit Ethernet port on there. Uh, it's gonna have eight hundred two eleven n. They've done the upgrade on that. Uh, it's gonna have a six cell battery. But Q five sys in the chat room says this generation of ThinkPad has a great battery life. Core two mm-hmm. duo. I think core, he has an X two hundred. If yeah. I'm not mistaken. Core two duo processor P eight uh, four hundred mm-hmm. or higher. Intel GMA forty five hundred graphics. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It, okay. So you're not gonna be playing uh, well, loads of Steam games. No, on but it. you know okay. what? It would do GNOME three. It would do compositing. It would do KDE. It would do KWin. Or it would rock with a really simple w- desktop too. Yeah. One problem I'd be interested in finding out if they solved. I tried to swap out the wireless card in my in my ThinkPad. Well, they did swap it. Yeah, so I know. They upgraded the Atheros uh, AR five uh, AR five B nine five. So they've replaced the uh, right. But what happened was it's it popped up and said um, it popped up and said this is not one of the supported wireless cards for this model. And I wonder if they've been, since they flashed the BIOS, if they've been able to remove that. Because oh, I bet they did. Which is cool because I wanted to upgrade this to wireless AC and yeah. turns out couldn't do it. But um, I think this is great. And this, if I you think, don't need a lot of performance and you want a really good Linux experience and you want to feel right. good about it too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You've got, you got, you got a free software foundation certified laptop. Yep. For yep. you know this this right here is under five hundred bucks. Yeah, for eight gigabytes of RAM, one hundred twenty gigabytes. And ThinkPads are durable. They're durable, well built machines. There's no doubt about that. I don't think I'd be ever buying one anytime soon, but I right. can see it work for a lot of people. Right. Libre Boot X two hundred, Libre Office Viewer for Android beta is out. And it makes reading Office documents on the go kind of easy. And I know uh, you guys at AltaSpeed are LibreOffice users. Absolutely. Do you ever have a problem with opening them up on your Android device? Uh, truthfully, it never even dawned on me. But when yeah. I saw the article come out, I thought, man, I could really see that using. I've never tried, but the amount of times that we have documents that are emailed to us and I got to open them up, man, to be able to pull yeah. that up on my phone. Yeah. Not have to get to a laptop? That's so amazing. This current one has some bugs. Uh, uh, for example, uh, it can't browse files. This isn't a bug. This is a limitation. Mm-hmm. Can't br- b- browse files saved on SD cards. I know mm-hmm. that's maybe kind of a bummer for you because you're a big user of SD cards yeah. on your Android device. Yep. Uh, tech, But it does open up text documents. Big, bulky presentations open up too, although they take a bit of a minute to render on the mobile device. Uh, LibreOffice, the project themselves, consider this to be a major milestone for the project. 
Uh, they think it's going to be huge. And uh, if you think about it, it's I think it's also good for open document. Absolutely. Really. Oh, and you know what's great? Every day. Every day I see, and I told, I shared last episode um, the story of the school system, and they've switched to Libre Office. ODF is becoming the new standard, and the nice thing about that is, and the compelling thing about that is, is everyone can write and read to it, mm-hmm. right? So, so they don't have to worry about do you have the latest version of Microsoft Office? And if you think about it, it's so stupid. I know that that we tell students who don't are who, who by their very nature of being college students don't have very much money yeah. that they have to spend four or five hundred dollars yeah. on this Office week. Even, it's, just, well, even, it's ridiculous. Even if they get a, even if they get a, a considerable discount it's 100 or 200 dollars still yeah you yeah. know so, some places even get it free but i st- i look at that and i think to myself but then just, it's crippled though too yeah yeah and there's just no need for it mm-hmm. um all right so something i got a need for a yala tablet i think this yeah. is so exciting the yala tablet so sailfish os it's 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 pretty surprisingly fresh a take on a mobile operating system i've used it in the context of my nexus 5 and i've always immediately my first thought in fact you asked me the other day what i thought about sailfish os mm-hmm. yeah and I, what i should have answered you was it'd be good it'd be better on a tablet though it's good better well, on a tablet kind of like web os was yeah webos was crying for a tablet producer q5 sys thinks this is going to be the future of uh, mobile operating systems sailfish yeah <clears throat> well i mean it's pretty it impressive i don't know about the future of it but uh so did you see that of course you did because you put the news together that uh, the yala tablet folks are returning to indiegogo and they're introducing a 64 gigabyte storage version for those of you that want to put your movies on there uh, no, are you tempted to contribute? You get you get a, you get a micro SD slot. You get yeah. sixty four gigs of storage, and they're saying better battery life. Too. Well, and if I understand Selfish OS correctly, you can install the Google Play Store on it. Yeah, there is a way to run Android apps. I've never so done it. But. That's unbelievably cool. Yeah, that is a thing you can do. Uh, I, I, are you, but I'm asking you, are you willing to? I would you back it? How much is it? Uh, let's go look because they they have the the it's under old prices. I would. Well, no, it's way under. It's like three ninety nine. Oh, it's like yeah, two ninety nine or something. I totally, like I totally throw down for that. Yeah. So here you go. Sixty four gig is two forty nine. Oh, yeah. Sixty four gig plus. Then you also get micro SD. Yeah. So that's a ge- that's, a, that's right a, now a gen- on air. That is a genuine Linux tablet, not Android. A genuine yeah. Linux tablet with sixty four gigs of storage and micro SD. Man, you just need a video player. Bob's your uncle. Shower it right now on air. I think. Well, or after the segment, right. between segments, we can look into it. Uh, so yeah, you can also get a combo with a phone. But I think. Oh, and if you, uh, if you, you know, what? here's the thing though. Every time I see it with the phone, they it's like there's something yeah. wrong with the radio or something. No, well, no, on the phone, I, I think it's better on the tablet. Only a twenty five dollar upgrade if you already backed the project. By the way. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty Man. cool. Man. Let's take a look at it during the second break. Yeah, we should totally should. I'll leave this tab up because that's yeah. that'd be a really cool one to review on the show. Might have to order it. All right. So you all uh, love your lunchbox, right? Well, how about another open source laptop attempt called the Open Lunchbox? I love these names. Now, we've seen a few of these at conferences, some built out of wood, some built mm-hmm. out of plastic. Mm-hmm. So uh, did you get, did you grok anything from the Open Lunchbox? You know, Chris, th- you know, you said the, the ThinkPad might not be up your alley. This this is the kind of thing that's not really up my alley. <laughs> I mean, I put it in the, I, I grabbed it from the news because it, I like seeing stuff like this yeah. perforate the market. I yeah. think that's great. And I yeah. think that any Linux is good Linux. <laughs> um, and, and, and things like this, which essentially force users to pay more attention to what it is they're working and on I, is a great thing. I like this too. I mean, not that, again, not that I'm going to go for this, but one of the reasons I like it is I, I've just always kind of fantasized, like, I love that I can build a PC tower. Yes. That's yes. really cool. How cool would it be if I could build, build a, laptop? a laptop? And it just sounds so crazy. I'll build a laptop. You, That's nuts. Back when, uh, back when uh, whatever 
school age you were at when when building computers became all the rage? Yeah. Do you have people asking you like, can you build a laptop? Oh yeah. Know, yeah. So you know, yeah. it's kind of cool that you can yeah. answer yes. And I would, yeah. I might do it just for the experience of saying I did, yeah. it, but it just it's just not practical. It'd be cool to have one that here. big and, and, yeah. and usually the power is somewhat limited. So and this is an open source modular laptop project. Uh, it's based around an ARM processor, two or four core ARM, uh, standard CPU modules, 3D printed rapid enclosures. You get you get the specs. You print the enclosures for your own. Uh, you can get CNC machined aluminum enclosures too if you want to buy them. Uh, they have ThinkPad T60 keyboards that you can buy to install in them. So you use a ThinkPad keyboard for the laptop. Uh, multiple DisplayPort. It supports a four-lane DisplayPort, uh, integrated uh, EDP. It has multiple uh, PCIe uh, links. It's got uh, eight USB 2 ports and uh, two USB 3.0 ports, two SATA ports, an SD card reader. Uh, it's kind of a neat, like you could make a yeah. pretty badass laptop with this. It might look a little hokey. Yeah, but, but you that's could... the fun of it though, right? Yeah, and you know what? Uh, not to uh, re- not to rehash an old topic, but uh, this appeals to me in the same way ham radio appeals to me. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. All right, yeah. It's okay. The same things I like about both. Well, uh, so Pharonix also has a write-up about it. Uh, if you want to uh, find out, they're also talking about an x86-based one, which would be a big change. Mm-hmm. And uh, Pharonix has a write-up about the x86 changes coming up. I'm looking right now at the enclosure to see if I can find a picture of it, but I, they don't. Oh yeah. Okay. So here's some of the pictures. So that's the insides, I think. Huh. Looks I like, like if, that it actually looks like a laptop rather than the... Um, than like the, some of the wood ones we yeah, saw that weren't yeah, quite... Uh, yeah, I kind of yeah. like that better. They have uh, IRC too that if you if you want to get in on the action, you can go find out more. But uh, the uh, we could have build your own laptops called the Open Lunchbox Project and we'll have more information in the show notes. All right, Noah, that's all the news for this week. about to talk with Peter and Eric, co-founders of Selks, a very fascinating project that we're going to do a deep dive here in just a moment. But before we get to that, I want to thank our segment sponsor, System76, creators of machines born designed to run Linux. I've got a whole range of System76 machines that I have experience with, and Mr. Noah, I believe you as well have some experience with System76 rigs. I do. I have the Wild Dog, actually the studio that we're setting up in Grand Forks to use, that we're going to be sending you a feed from, is actually powered. Oh. By a System76 Wild Dog Performance. And nice. Of course, I have the uh, the System76 Ultra Galago, okay. which uh, is, of course, their MacBook competitor. I love the MacBook Air competitor. Mm-hmm. That's my mm-hmm. favorite laptop that they have right there. I mean, I love the Bonobo to like to my core. That's the one I can't get away from. Yeah. But if I was going to buy today, I think I would go with the Ultra Pro. Yeah, and the problem for me is I travel a lot. And so being in a small, confined area like an airplane seat, something like a 17-inch laptop would just be unreal. Too much, yeah. And so the, the tiny little 13-inch Galago, it comes out, the yeah. battery life is great it's yeah. lightweight you got that high resolution ips display mm-hmm. on that tight screen it's pretty nice they've also got a whole bunch of great desktops uh like the leopard extreme which i want or like the wild dog performance like Noah's talking about go over to system76.com get machines that are designed to run with linux that way you don't have all of the problems you have when you go buy something just off the shelf plus you're supporting a linux vendor and at the end of the day it doesn't matter if you want to run ubuntu or arch you can stop fighting with your linux or your hardware i mean and play with your linux i'll get that right eventually just go over to system76 we don't have a promo code for you we'd just like you to mention to them that you heard about them on linux action show and just check out what they've got and the next time you're buying a machine consider getting one and and uh, just experience the difference when you have a rig that really all of the parts just work out of the box. And uh, if you're a distro hopper, I really recommend it because it makes it so much easier to move around. Okay, Noah. Well, I'm really excited to welcome Eric and Peter to the show. Uh, let's start with uh, Peter. Peter, welcome to Linux Action Show. And can you tell the audience a little bit about uh, Selks, I believe is how you say it? 
Yeah, absolutely, Silks. Hi, um, it's a pleasure being on the show as well. Thanks very much for having us. Absolutely. Um, Silks, Silks is actually a uh, combined full distro based on Debian um, open source Linux. Um, it's an IDS IPS uh, ready to use distro that you can uh, easily just download and um, burn and install on your preferred hardware. And, uh, so we basically what it is, it comprises, uh, it has a few major components. Uh, one of them is uh, Suricata uh, idea system, then it has the Elk stash, the so-called Elk stash, which is Elasticsearch, Logstash, Kibana. Okay. And it has the pinnacle of it all, um, Sirius, which is a graphic user management for rules ah. for Suricata, because Suricata is a rule-based intrusion detection system. So let's stop IDS. right there. Uh, uh, so before we go too much further, uh, so for people that maybe are not super familiar with all of this, IDS is an intrusion detection system that detects incoming intrusions into like a corporate network, and IPS is an intrusion prevention system that actually can take proactive action against detected intrusions, and uh, Sericata is sort of a management system that can sit on top of these and is also an IDS, IPS system in itself. Am I tracking so far? Yeah, this is correct. Uh, it's not only for corporate networks. It could be used also for defending your, sure. you know, I mean, home sure. networks, any network. Sure. Now, well, oh, go ahead. When you have the the way that you envision this is set up is is it, is it designed to be run, you know, on like a backend server um, that that is not necessarily interacted with, or is it designed to be running like on a desktop that you're that you know that there's a keyboard and a mouse and a and a, and a display connected to. You can do both if you'd like to. There's no okay. problem, uh, but um, <clears throat> preferably, it is uh, the main the main design purpose behind is preferably to be deployed like on a, on an, on the edge of the network or on a network backbone so that you okay. can actually uh, have the best possibility to actually detect such intrusions. Of, of course, I guess I guess to to clarify my question. Um, do you uh, do you anticipate that most people will have like a keyboard and a mouse and a monitor connected? Because so a lot of the security appliances, a lot of the edge devices that I've worked with, they sit on the edge of the network, but they're controlled from another machine. They're oh yeah, correct. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, yeah, you can. Uh, you don't need a keyboard and a mouse. You can okay. just connect remotely. Everything is done through a web uh, secure web interface. Okay. okay. Yeah. So uh, before we go too much further, we should also mention that uh, Eric is joining us here, and Eric is another co-founder of uh, Salix. And uh, Eric, welcome to the show. And Eric, how long have you been working with the project, and when did you guys start? I think we started the project sometimes like one years ago. Correct me, Peter, if I'm wrong, because the time goes fast when you're doing some <laughs> complex thing. Yeah. Uh, so we started one years ago, and we've got the first table release, something like uh, four months ago. Okay. Uh, um, uh, yeah. And so uh, I'm curious, what kind of deployments uh, is the project seeing right now? What is a what is a typical deployment scenario for a a, a Selks appliance? We've got various uh, installations. For example, we've got a lot of people who are just who just want to see what are going on their laptop because you can install Selks on your own laptop and see and analyze your local traffic. It's a small case scenario, but it's really interesting because you discover what is going on on your network, both on the IADS, uh, the detection system, and on, on the network security monitoring, which is one another aspect of uh, Suricata. In fact, Suricata is collecting uh, metadata from your protocol exchange, 
and you can get information about the HTTP traffic, the SMTP traffic, and other things like that. Okay. And the other case uh, of deployment are the people that are using sex on their server to discover what is going on on their network on the uh, corporate side. I wonder, uh, Peter, uh, when you uh, when you mentioned uh, all the different features of Celex, you mentioned something that we just touched on really briefly. Could you recap Sericata and what it is and why that's important? And is it different than something like Snort? Yeah, um, I think the the base of it as an IDS IPS, the base idea is the same, but Sericata is different in a number of ways in terms of that. Uh, it is actually it is actually multi-threading and it has automatic protocol detection. Ah, so these are the two major I think some of the major uh, advantages of Suricata. It also one other big advantage of Suricata that we use at the moment is the uh, the so-called uh, standard JSON format output. So because it's it's a bit more standardized of a format that you output the uh, all the logs and the alerts on, it, that gives it actually the advantage of being able to be all those outputs, all those logs to uh, to be able to be digested by a number of already established log analysis uh, installations or engines. So you don't have to do your own. Uh, scripting, which so, could be very tenacious. This is this is clearly then a, a direct competitor. Some of the larger commercial offerings that that do this. Uh, what is the uh, revenue model for uh, Selx? How do you, is there a is there a commercial and open source component to this? How does that work? Uh, currently, at Selx, there are no commercial components. It's just all based open on open source distro. Now, um, our commercial model, we have, uh, like, as part of Stamos, because it was Stamos Networks that developed uh, and ultimately introduced Selks to the open source community. Uh, we in Stamos have uh, actually in the process of doing our, of producing our own appliances and in the process of actually providing commercial support if needed for the Selks platform. So right now, how... Uh what is the what is the prescribed method for for using Selks on on a network? I mean, if you're, the, I assume these appliances aren't ready quite yet. No, no, they're not. They're, um, our um, plan is Q two. Okay. This year. So right now, um, would how are you guys testing it? Oh well, we we have a number of. Uh, Actually, uh, live traffic feeds that we do test it upon. So I guess I um, guess uh, more specifically, what hardware are you using to to install this on right now? Like, if I wanted to go try it, is there is there a, a certain set of hardware that works? You know, that you that you that you suggest or that works particularly well? I know with a lot of the I know with the the caveat with building a lot of these network devices is that um, some of the switching fiber that they use in the in the um, appliance-based boxes are much, much different than what you'd get on, like, a say, a PCI network card. And so that's why a lot of, I mean, is that the same or different? Or? No, actually, the only, um, <clears throat> the only actually uh, requirement that is that we have for sales, if you want to put it that way, is actually any Debian or Ubuntu approved hardware. Okay. Mm, okay. Okay. So if it works with if it works with uh, with Debian or if it works with Ubuntu, then it's going to work with with Selks. Yeah. You yeah. said you said earlier that the network uh, that the that you obviously to be totally effective, you'd want that to sit right at the edge of the network. Is it still beneficial? Is it still useful if it uh, simply resides as a client on the network, or is it uh, basically useless? Then? It is, but it is, but it wouldn't be as much of a use because okay. you, it, it, the whole purpose of it is to see right. as much traffic as possible. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and especially so, if it's not on a managed if it's not on a managed port on the switch, then it's not even necessarily yeah. getting those yeah. that traffic from other devices. Okay. Yeah. You, usually, a best case scenario would be like to to mirror a port or to put it into right. the top device and right. mirror all the traffic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I wanted to I wanted to touch on something that we probably should have mentioned earlier on in the in the discussion about Celix, uh, and you just mentioned it there. It is based on Debian, and I don't know if this would be better for Peter or Eric, but could you expand a little bit about the Debian base, how that was selected, and how current and how uh, is Celix essentially built on top of Debian with a, a few packages, or is it a considerable fork of Debian? And whoever is more comfortable going into that, I'd be fascinated to know more. I would just I would pass the question to Eric, but before I pass it to Eric, I would actually like just sure. just to touch base that uh, Eric is the one from the team that goes to the Debian church every Sunday. So <laughs> okay, <laughs> well then, sounds like he's the man to answer. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, in, yeah. In fact, uh, we, we choose uh, Debian because when, when, first of all, it's one of the best distros available. Uh, but uh, furthermore, we have a, a program which is called a software which is called Debian Live, which allows you to quickly, and quickly is a, is a small word where you speak about weeks to set up one live distribution or installable distribution based on Debian. So. We choose that for, for, for mainly for that reason. We have something really useful to make some live on installable distribution. Right. Um, that's why it was a key setup. Um, yes, on on the on our side, we're almost all developers in the Suricata project are using Debian or Ubuntu. So that's two distribution we know very well. So you're in the culture for one. Yeah, yeah. sounds like. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, and obviously, I mean, we're big Debian fans, so it seems like a no-brainer to us too. But we were just curious why that, because I think the, 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 the appliances—I don't want to call it an appliance—but uh, the uh, the solutions like this that I have seen that are really all-inclusive have almost universally always been based off of CentOS or Red Hat Enterprise, uh, almost almost universally. So I was just curious at the choice of Debian and. Uh, <clears throat> I just wanted to kind of get the background of it, so I thought that was kind of yeah. We, we don't have stockholders. Mostly the Red Hat or CentOS choice came from stockholders who want support from the two company, uh, other companies. So yeah. that's what's on the main explanation. So in our case, it's not okay. So we, we decided to go to Debian. Yeah, very good. You have any questions, Mr. Noah? No. I, I mean, I, also the decision for Debian was also just, if I may add, the decision also for Debian is because. Um, <clears throat> We're very well familiar with Debian. Yeah. Uh, probably very well in depth as well. I, it shouldn't be too much to say. And um, we actually considered a number of other OSs, and uh, Debian was the one that uh, we were most comfortable with and most knowledgeable in. Um, and uh, then we didn't really, our, on top of our list, our first consideration was not who's doing a commercial support, but what would we be best at? So yeah. that's why we chose by Debian. I love that. For these device, for these appliances that are going to ship in, in uh, you said Q3? Q2? Q3? Q2. In um, the future. <laughs> uh, what Do you have an idea of, of a pricing structure for them? Or is it no, not, not yet. Okay, well, okay. actually, we do have an idea, but um, I, I don't think it will be appropriate to discuss okay. it. No, since, no, it makes sense. Since it will definitely change. So. Yeah. 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 Well, all right. So, uh, if people know, if people people that do know what we're talking about here are probably pretty interested in how this works, what sort of your elevator pitch? Go get started, Peter. If you want people to get started like tonight after they watch this episode, should they start in a virtual machine? Should they do it on physical hardware? What's your kind of advice in that regard? 
Well, the definitive advantage there is that you can very easily try it. So in other words, you don't need to install it, you don't need to get a server. If you, if you want to get the feeling for it how, it, how it works and what it does, you can simply download a um, download the, the installation CD and uh, run a live system uh, boot. That would not install anything. You would, just la you would just run it on a virtual machine as a live system. Right. And it starts up like an a... To get an idea. And it loads up like in a KDE environment. I've been checking it out this morning and uh, it's it's totally usable just right there in the virtual machine. So it's very yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you just have to set up the network to capture the traffic from your local interface. Right, right. And then you're done. It's stuck yeah. in BridgeBud and then you get all the data without dream about it. Yeah, yeah. Well... Uh, Chris, I just pasted you here. Um, um, I just sent you a quick link there. So oh, yeah, yeah. The open source page on the site. I will link to that in the show notes, too. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I really like your site, guys. It's a really no great looking. It's really got all the information there and the screenshots there. When I saw this, like, this is, I mean, this really looks super high-end stuff. And uh, as somebody who used to implement some of the older, in the older days, by, like, writing snort uh, config files and all this kind of stuff, this looks like a dream because getting all of the logging, all central, all, all of this in one place like this uh, with some great technology behind it is obviously going to be a slam dunk. So when you guys get the appliances shipping, Drop us a line to our producers so uh, we can sync up with you because I'd love to see what those look like and take a look because I've been I've been through a lot of this from the good old days and it was not pretty and I think what you guys have here is pretty impressive. You know what's impressive to me, Chris, is the fact that these guys that one of them attends a Debian church. So they're <laughs> well, no, it, it, it's it, it's it's a joke, but it's a real thing, right? Yeah. It, the people that are using Linux, the people that love Linux are the people that are going to do the best job developing products based on Linux. Yeah, and that's why they picked Debian too, which mm -hmm. I because they love Debian. Mm -hmm. I just think that's it's really cool. Well, guys, keep up the great work, and thank you so much for coming on the Linux Action Show. And that brings us to the end of this week's broadcast. But hey, Noah, we got a few items to cover before we get out of here. I want to talk about it. All right, let's buckle down and do it. So uh, P4... P3R in the subreddit has taken it upon himself to launch the official scale thread. And we here at the Linux Action Show say, why the hell not? So uh, if you're going to go to scale and you want to uh, meet up with the folks, go over to the Linux Action Show show notes and scroll down to find this thread, the official scale thread. Now, you already know Noah's going to be there. And uh, as the day gets closer, we'll give you more specifics on Noah's plans and uh, maybe anybody else that might be down there. You can uh, you can always I'm I'm on Twitter Kernel Linux I'm on Google Plus Noah Noah Chalaya but uh, and I know this isn't going to be popular with some people but I tend my social networking of choice tends to gravitate towards the Facebook what yeah Facebook I know it's terrible but if uh, I'll try and keep an eye on the subreddit as I as I head out there but yeah. if 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 I miss it or if I if you know if you don't hear back from me because I'm not a rude person so I tend to respond if I see it. Uh, if you don't hear from me, uh, hit me up on Facebook, facebook.com slash kernelinux. So uh, facebook.com slash kernelinux. We mm -hmm. also have links to your G+, and Twitter profiles, but you, you don't do? check those as often. Well, I try to. At least once a week I do. And, and during the conference, I'll try and be more mindful. Because I know like Seems like Google Twitter Plus would be the... Is like the haven for... The, the thing I don't like about Twitter is everything's all out in the open. Yeah. yeah, you're out in the open when you're at the conference, dude. Well, yeah, kind of. Anyway, well, for this it works, but this is the first time I've done. For it. those of you that aren't Facebook.com/slash/kernel/linux, go Twitter. over to this uh, to this here uh, uh, subreddit and uh, start your shenanigans there. And then you know, for your group sexes, your dinners, you can coordinate it on. The, not even didn't even face them at all. It's trying to get your attention. You can coordinate all of that good stuff over here in the subreddit and uh, have a good time. Hey, uh, y you want to know more about Noah? 
You want to hear some crazy stories about things that happen at these conferences when we're not on the air? Like when a drunk girl showed up, when Chris brought a drunk girl back to the table and I had to give her a ride home? That happened. And Noah it tells you all about that on The Faux Show. It's episode 207 of The Faux Show. Meet Noah. It's a great episode. I stepped aside and Noah sat down and co-hosted The Faux Show with Angela. So you can check that out, Faux Show at Jupiter Broadcasting. And last but not least, even more, a little more, Noah, go check out altaspeed.com specifically, maybe over on altaspeedstore.com, that very Microtech router, totally unplanned. We did not plan this, but Noah mm-hmm. does sell it from his company store. We do. So all you the- can grab that right there. Mm-hmm. Were you gonna say? Were you gonna? Were you gonna about to? Were you about to undercut yourself? I was about to undercut myself. <laughs> no, they, that's a great. Then they can buy it from you, dude. They like that. They, yeah, that's, but here's here's the problem. <laughs> then I have to ship it. <laughs> oh, if, if it's small order, it's fine. But if like okay. 500 people ordered or something, right, right, right. So uh, you were, were gonna tell them they could probably get it cheaper somewhere else. Well, you? you're about that to. Yeah, that yeah. <laughs> it's really not. It's really not set up for that. But hey, if you want to support my company, I'm all for it. Right. I mean, maybe yeah. I bet you we wouldn't get that many bites because people aren't buying firewalls all the time. Yeah. Just be a trickle here. Altaspeedstore.com. <laughs> yeah, really? Yeah, you really? I, well, you get two-day shipping. and you Wow, know, yeah. look at you, man. That's yeah. It's hard out there for a gangster. Yeah. It is. Now, listen, it? I'm an honest person. I'll, just, I'll tell you I'll tell it to you like it is. You shouldn't use Mac. You shouldn't use Windows. And you really should order your, your stuff from Amazon, not AltaSpeed. <laughs> but you should have us for service if you're in the Grand Forks area. There you go. Yeah. There you go. We do a good job. Hey, also, I uh, want another podcast. How about our Linux talk show? We do it weekly, Linux Unplugged Tuesdays. Go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. You know why? Because we got robots over there. Those robots convert time to your local time zone. Why is that important? Because I'd love to have you join us live for Linux Unplugged because we have a virtual lug. It's an open mumble room, and you can participate Tuesdays. Get your word in on the Linux shenanigans going on every single week in Linux Unplugged. It's a supplemental show to Linux Action Show. If you like Linux Action Show and you want even more, Listen to Linux Unplugged. If you want even more than that, well, then you got to join us live. JBLive.tv. We do this show Sundays with the exception of next week. Wait, no. By the time they're listening to this, we will be live. So we didn't do this one live. But next week, we will be live again. Yes. Right? That's right. At JBLive.tv. But actually, we were even kind of live for this one because on Sunday, we were testing to make sure that this episode, right. the next episode, works. So we are, uh, we so are we actually live on the we, day that we're talking about yes. here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's just live over it's, at Everything's live. JBLive.tv Sundays. show up live. 10 a.m. Pacific. Go to jupiterbroadcasting.com. So it's calendar. LinuxActionShow.reddit.com. Go submit stories, feedback, uh, links to great app picks, open source projects that need love, your your beautiful yeah. insights and, into and, stories. And Chris. Yeah. 12 Central. Because you always do Pacific and yeah. Eastern, but you never pick Central and I live Nobody Central. cares about... Oh. <sighs> so so I never. that's why I never joined live, because I never knew what time it was. Now you don't have an excuse. Yeah. 12 Central, jblive.tv, jblive.info for the audio. All right, that'll wrap us up. Thank you so much for tuning this week's episode of the Linux Action Show. We'll see you right back here next week. It's the news, and this episode is brought to you. God, my face itches like a stupid monkey. So when do I start? If I start right now and you're itching your face, it's gonna kind of weird. I usually just I usually just keep going until you start doing the show, and then once you start doing the show, I start doing the show. Oh, okay. That's my trick. This that, ep- that's my secret. <laughs> I'm always doing the show, and it begins. You never graduated from like fourth grade. Uh-huh. Kind of got stuck there. Then. So are we gonna go get five guys after this? Have you seen? The, you've seen the. I got to show you that he hasn't seen the Five Guys. The the Five Guys review. If he saw the Five Guys review, he wouldn't be asking me ridiculous questions like that. And then go to Best Buy. And we should go to which is like in Best the same. Why? It's in the same. 
Yeah, we should gotta. Is, are these places even gonna be open because of the Super Bowl? Five guys will be open. Come on. Let's, you know what? Let's wrap this up so these guys don't want to watch the Super Bowl. Okay. All right. Well, what are you sitting there making noises in your mic for? What? Me? Noises in your mic. What? Me? Immature. What? Never make noises in my mic. All right. All right. Here we go.